Welcome to the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast with Dr. Fuck and the Ayatollah of Alcohola, Ian Wadley, better known as Wadzilla. So enjoy another awesome, incredible episode of the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. Bam, 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 diddly D. Well, all right, it's Dr. Fuck again, and uh, with me as always is... Oh, yeah! For the way Glenn Miller played. Shocking me the head parade. Now let's do it again, but you're gonna do it as Michael McDonald, ready? <laughs> Here we go. For the way Glenn Miller played. <laughs> Hell yeah! Minute, five minute, five minute. I keep holding on. <laughs> Fuck that Beaver Brown shit, dude. That's what you need to do. <laughs> Fucking Doobie Brothers. The, boo- the Boozy Brothers. <laughs> the Boozy Brothers. Beer, buy uh, beer. I can hear the money coming here. Right? Oh, shit. So anyway, what's up, Ian? How you doing, dude? Ah, uh, pretty good. How about you, my man? I'm here sober. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm trying to change that right now. Well, you're not sober. You see... I'm happy when I'm sober, you're happy when you're drunk. But, here's the difference. You're unhappy when I'm sober, but I'm happy when you're drunk. I, I, I'm only happy when it rains. I don't know, I'm confused. Yeah. Well, like Peter Chris, I can't stop the rain. Oh, <laughs> oh man, I pulled a Scott Green. That was so unfunny. Oh, God. Which, by the way, we put up the uncensored. Scott Green, Slate to the Grind. Oh my God, I listened to it today. I am so embarrassed how horrible. I mean, I, I was great. Don't get me wrong, but I was so horrible to him. I mean, I was so mean to him. Like, you got to hear the whole thing. Like, if you just hear portions, you're not going to get, like, the real mean. I got one part where Scott actually goes, fuck you, man. He got really mad at me. You got to search for that part. Oh, even I said, you know, I deserve that fuck you. Holy fuck was I mean to Anyway. That, that was hard one just sitting there. <laughs> yeah, you had to fucking witness that shit. It was like a train wreck, man. But, I mean, fuck, fuck. I'm, I'm, I'm ashamed of it. But you know what comes first? The podcast before my stupid shame. That's right. And I put it up, and uh, hopefully people will check it out. It really blows away what you heard on the podcast, let me tell you. Yeah, there's no place for pride on podcasts. Yeah, yeah, but when I did the podcast, I said, man, I got to cut that part out. It's too raw. But then when I came up with the idea with Uncensored, I go, well, you know, I got to stick to my guns here and and put the real brutal shit up. Anyway, enough of that. Uh, uh, Anything new? Well, we do have new iTunes reviews. All right. We got three of them this week. And in fact, the first one, comes from uh, the other side of the fucking country. It comes from Australia. This one comes from TJ James. And uh, you know TJ. He's, he's a guy that I... One of the many people that I kicked off the, the page that day when I eliminated all Hagar fans. Oh, I know TJ. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, he asked me. He's like, why don't you read my review? Or like, why don't you read my review, Mike? Or whatever, however the fuck they talk. And uh, I was like, man, you know, it's Australia. I can't fucking see it. He goes, well, I'll send it to you. And he did this one back in November. And it's a five-star review entitled, This Show is Fantastic. 
even if Ian and Ralph hate my taste. <laughs> he says, and I quote, I love this show. It's one of my two favorite podcasts ever, along with the classic metal show. These guys are both awesome. Ian and Ralph, or Ralph and Ian, they can argue over whose name should be first, LOL. No, it's only, sh- it's only, it's only me that argues. <laughs> this show is paradise for old school metalheads and a trip down memory lane for those who grew up with this great music and also for those who may want to be educated. Each week is fantastic, and the Facebook group is like a family. I really love this show and its host. I feel like we become friends, even if they hate me for my love of Sammy Hagar and all Van Halen. Stuff's... I don't hate them, man. I don't care. You yeah, hate them. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I hate them. But uh, Stuff's of Legends, signed T.J. James. All right, T.J. James. All right, dude. Hey, come on, man. We're all not perfect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, he still has time to repent, you know? Yeah, man. He, Start... he, he, he... Burn his Sammy Hagar records and put that shit up on the podcast page. And inhale it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then all will be forgiven. Exactly. All it, cure, will be forgiven. it cures cancer if you inhale burning Sammy Hagar vinyl. Right. Well, and, and, it, and it also uh, will clean up your uh, record collection. It's true. Uh, that's true. And also, I know what I'm talking about because I am a doctor. <laughs> that's right. Thank you. And, uh, if, and if it doesn't and it gives you cancer and dies, who cares? You're a Sammy fan. Yeah, yeah, no, no big loss there. No problem. So, uh, TJ, thank you for that review. And to all of you who are outside the continental United States. Yeah, send, uh, us, send us a private message with your iTunes reviews, because in America we cannot read iTunes reviews if it's not done in America. That's right. They already put a wall around iTunes. Yes. And we ain't letting none of you fuckers in. Thanks, you know, So, Yeah, way to go. So, you know, send us those reviews and we will read them on air. But uh, now to some Americans that matter. <laughs> this one is from Space Phantom. It's I like that five, name. Yeah. It's a five-star review entitled, One of the Best Podcasts Out There. Hell yeah. The guy knows what he's talking about. Well, I don't know. He said one of the best. Oh, well, he sort of knows. Is, is the best, yeah. He sort of hey, knows he, what he's he's, get, he's getting there. I'll work with him. You yeah, know? Exactly. A couple more and he's in. He says, and I quote, in my opinion, the greatest podcasts are when it's just a couple guys hanging out, shooting the bull while entertaining the listeners with facts. The Rock and Metal Combat podcast does all of that and more. The episodes are entertaining, in-depth, and never boring. The humor is one of the best aspects of the show. It creates a very genuine atmosphere, perfect for metal and hard rock fans, whether you're an expert on the genre or just starting to dig into it. Well, that's great, but, you know, he, he likes that we have facts. Well, let me give him a fact he hasn't heard yet. We're not one of the best. We are the best. That's a go. fact. The fact there. is, that other one that you're talking about, fuck them. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, see, and he just learned even more from listening yeah, you to this. Yeah, just heard. You just heard. We're the yeah. best. Yeah, there you go. You learn something every episode. Just ask those other podcasts you love. They'll tell you. <laughs> no, they're better than us. <laughs> All right, now this one, I'm going to have to take a drink for because this one's pretty damn long, but but damn good. All right. I'm here ah. with, with bated breath. All right. <coughs> this is a five-star review, as they all should be, Cinco. by MattlerCT.75. Yeah, I like that name, too. Entitled, 
Rock and Metal Combat, the David Lee Roth of Podcast. Fuck the yeah! Best. There you go. <laughs> Look at all the people leaving reviews here tonight. <laughs> all right, and uh, here we go. He says, and I quote, What can I say? I started listening to the Rock and Metal Combat podcast in June of this year. I found them through another podcast I used to listen to called Decibel Geek. If you love straight-up rock and roll and heavy metal with a pinch of classic rock and thrash, this is the podcast for you. Ian and Ralph are great. They don't always see eye-to-eye and often have different tastes in music. Ian is more rooted in cock rock, (laughs) and Ralph is more from the thrash background. Wow. Ian clearly loves having his way with Ralph's mom, and Ralph clearly loves rim jobs. (laughs) (laughs) That is Listen. true. This guy, see, <laughs> see, there's some facts he picked up on. Listen in and you will learn what I'm speaking about. But he forgot to mention that rim jobs are from your mom. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> Hold on, this is a long epi- uh, inter- uh, review. You might get to that. Uh, some of my favorite episodes include all the Kiss episodes, the Sammy Bash, Van Halen 1984, Guns N' Roses Use Your Illusions, and Cheap Tricks in Color. They often have special guests that really add to the show. Bill Wang, Lee Gertzman, Johnny V are a few of my favorites. Greg Barnes, man! (laughs) This podcast pulls no punches. It's loud, sometimes filthy, and always loaded with foul language. I I have checked out some bands and albums from the past that for some reason slipped by me or I avoided in my younger days and ended up loving them. If you love Kiss, Judas Priest, Iron Maiden, ACDC, Black Sabbath, Motorhead, Guns N' Roses, and fucking your friends' moms, Van Halen, DLR, and you also have a deep disgust for Sam Doglog Hagar, you are going to really enjoy this podcast. The formula is simple and to the point. Intro, news, a little chit-chat on the history of the album being reviewed, followed by a track-by-track breakdown. After that, they each make a selection of the week or a movie that they'll recommend folks check out. Lastly, they select a fan of the week based off the fans' activity with the podcast Facebook page. This is considered a great honor with this group because everybody has grown into a rock and metal family on the Rock and Metal Combat podcast. So tell your mother to go pick up a case of Rolling Rock and a few bottles of Boone's Farm wine. And some morning after pills, because you're going to use them up after you crank up the best podcast ever created. P.S. Terrence sucked. (laughs) Oh, man, that guy's awesome, man. What a great, great review. Yes, and I believe I I could be wrong, but I think that's, uh, judging by his name, I think that might be Matt Weathers Dick. Oh, Maybe. yeah, I like that guy. That's the guy that, that burned that fucking Sammy Hagar album. Yes, yeah, and, and if it's not, I'm sorry, but that's that's why I always say, because you got to come up with some clever name for iTunes, uh, throw your name in there if you're not embarrassed, you know, to be named by names, you know, uh, so I can know for sure who you are. But that that's just my guess, but, man, what a fucking review. Yeah, that, that was fucking great, man. That was awesome. Makes me want to get a rim job from your mom. Yeah, and uh, it sets the standards out there for those uh, those people who are yet to give us a review. Please, I mean, I, I know we got so many listeners, and we've only got uh, uh, you know seventy seven reviews and eighty eight uh, star ratings. So I know there's a it's bunch never, of. It's never enough for you, is it? No, 
Dude, I swear, man, we're, we're, we're so popular, and you're, you're you're constantly bitching about this shit. Yes, yes. Dude, one review is good enough for me, bro. The show can always be better. No, it can't. And bigger. The, 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 the comments and things can get better, but our show, forget it. It's on precise. It's precise, bro. It's bullseye material. You don't think we're better than we were a year ago? Uh, no. No. Two years ago? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because we got rid of somebody. But, you know, before that, I mean, after that, we've been on point, man. Okay, so we had a little dead weight with us back then, but whatever. <laughs> All right, well, here's something I'd like to do. Uh, I find interesting uh, on iTunes because iTunes, uh, different than, than the Podbean page where I get actual numbers of downloads and everything. On iTunes, you just have a popularity chart. And I wanted to read the top ten uh, episodes currently in iTunes. You with your numbers. So, here, here, I got a number yes. for you. Count how many fingers I'm holding up. One. There you go. Uh, okay. All right. Coming in at number ten is episode 82, Black Sabbath, volume four. At number 9, episode 132, Metallica, Hardwired to Self-Destruct. Episode, uh, I mean, number 7, episode 95, Led Zeppelin 3. Uh, number 6, episode 80, Guns N' Roses, Use Your Illusions 1. And One? Ep- Two was yeah. <laughs> And that was, uh, yeah, there we go, an episode... I read it backwards, so I fucked up. Okay, episode 6. Uh, I mean, number six would be Judas Priest, Defenders of the Faith. And before that, oh, God, I'm reading this backwards and the numbers are all mixed up. Anyway, the top ten are Black Sabbath, Metallica, Led Zeppelin Three, Guns N' Roses, Use Your Illusions, Judas Priest, Defenders of the Faith, Iron Maiden Killers, Year in Metal, 83 Part 1, Van Halen 84, and ACDC, Powerage, and the number one spot, Led Zeppelin, Physical Graffiti. You know, I gotta tell you something. I've noticed this even on my own reviews and stuff like that. If you put up parts of series, part one always gets the most hits, no matter what. Yes. Like, you know, on YouTube, I got like, you know, I did the Elder review in two parts. Part one got way more hits. Every time I put a part one on something, it always gets way more hits. And, And just so you guys know, Use Your Illusion part two blows away user illusion part one review wise big time it's it might might be one of my favorites that one is like so good but yet one gets i gotta go back and listen to one again i don't even remember how one was well but boy it's hard for me to forget part two what i honestly think it is i think it's a mixture of things i think well one I think Use Your Illusions 1 is the better album, so people are more interested in that. It just so happens that we're even dirtier and funnier on Use Your Illusions 2. Well, I, I, I have to disagree with you, and I will prove my point when I make a poll, even though I do agree with you that Use Your Illusion 1 is better, but most people think Part 2 is better. And we'll, we'll make a the, poll. I'll make a poll. Then it could be uh, my number two theory is that you get people who check out part ones that aren't necessarily fans of our show so they find out hey this show ain't for me so they don't come to part two i mean what what's your theory about why a part one always does better than a part two i don't know man i have no idea but it does it's just a fact i always see more numbers 
and anything I put up that has two parts to it. And right. this, was, this was back in the day when I didn't know I was kind of dumb with YouTube, that I didn't know I can put up over 15-minute videos. You have to, like, you know, the way it works, you have to, like, send them something, they text you a code, and you can get more than 15. So I don't bother with that part one and part two shit anymore. But back right. in the day when I do it, it always was, uh... And look, look, 83 part one. Right. You know, it's like, dude, 80 part two or whatever the fuck. That is just, a, it's the same thing. Yeah. But I'll well, tell, that, I'll that, tell that you this. It's the top 15, you know. Yeah, but part two wasn't. No, part two was. But part part one's in the top 10. Part two's in, two's in the top 15. <laughs> well, just to let you guys know, there ain't going to be no part one and part two on the YouTube unedited version of 1983. All of it's together, and it's four hours long. Wow. Yeah. There's no part one and part two YouTube. And subscribe to our YouTube page. I just put up the first uncensored video, and for now on, you're going to get uncensored of these episodes. Like the, the episode we're doing today, you'll get an uncensored version of it whenever it gets up on YouTube. No, actually, I, I, I think that one was banned, dude. Which one was banned? Uh, Blue the Call. Oh, shit. Yeah, some of it, man, I've done everything. Dude, I've even put up bootleg audio, and some of it you still can't get. You know what? which one's banned I can't put up? The the Rush episode where I went to New Orleans. Wow. I only used audio from that show, and it's still, wow. it's still banned, you know? Wow. Go figure but uh, uh, one thing I was going to say, you know, when you're talking about, you know, one doing better than part two. The one that really pissed me off is when uh, we did the best up for our 100th episode and we split it into two. And, oh, my God, not only all the work you put into it, but on the second one, you added all these bells and whistles and, and, and the, uh, background shit and everything. And yes. I think one of the best jobs you've ever done on any episode and on that one, part one did better by a good margin. And I'm like, oh, my God, you, you've got to hear what he did on the second yeah, one. Yeah, because the second one, I, I, I added audience applause. Oh, and, all kinds and I, of shit. And I even ended it with a song. I, yeah. sung, I sung a song at the end. And yeah, and you out. even have my mother on there talking filthy to Ralph, my real mother. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's right. We had her do like a little... Thing. Yes, that's right. Again. Yeah, it was great. It was really good. Yeah, that yes. one's awesome. Then at the end, I sang a song, an Elvis song, but I wrote the own lyric. Uh, I wrote lyrics to it. It's instead of "Are You Lonely Tonight," it's a song called "All You Are You Horny Tonight" about me having anal sex with a horn. Yeah. So do yourself a favor, you part oneers. Go check out the best of Rock and Metal Combat podcast part two. Yeah, that's Do right. A Part two. Two is the shit. One is that's just right. inkling. One's like the loneliest number. We gotta that's make sure shit. part one's better from now on. <laughs> well, they're all great, so it's hard to pick, you know, favorites. Yeah, I, I'm sure uh, Best of Part One was great as well. It just oh, didn't yeah. have the bells and whistles, good. Right. And and the killer song. All right, well, now why don't you give us some reviews off of uh, <laughs> what's been taking off like hotcakes. And that's our uh, our YouTube page. Yes, let me get... Oh, man, I ain't even... Oh, yeah, I'm prepared. Hold on. Um, 
We need more, and, and no, don't get me wrong. I love the people that leave uh, comments, but it's always the same people. And they always leave killer comments, and I'm always going to read their comments because they're killer. But we need newer people, man. There's not many people. But anyway, this one from one hour ago. Wow, I haven't even read this one. One hour ago from Max Power. Max Power. This is for the Kiss Unmasked uh, episode that I just put up. Uh, with Bill Wang, uh, he wrote another killer episode from the archives, complete with some vicious mom blasting from Ian. Even poor Terrence's deceased mother gets the treatment. However, Ralph, in a classy move, does chime in and check the Ayatollah. I gotta hear that episode again. Wang is on point as usual, and the question posed at the end of <coughs> excuse me at the end is. As good uh, is a good one. Dynasty or Unmasked? Which one is better? Me, I'll take both sides of the coin. All right. <coughs> All right. Um, and here's another one he left uh, yesterday. This is for the top 10 worst kiss songs. This is a great episode that definitely warranted a second listening. Hearing Ralph shriek when Ayatollah bashes We Are One was worth it alone. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, Unmasked got roughed up pretty bad here. Unmasked gets a lot of play here in, in the power household, but that's okay. Live and let live. Those who can't handle it should get some freaking might all. Looking forward to more outstanding new episodes and vintage shows uploaded to YouTube during 2017. Thanks, guys. All right. Thank you. Now, uh, have you noticed his Max on our Facebook page? I don't know. If he's listening now, maybe he'll let us know. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think I've seen his name unless it's under another name. Yeah, it has to be under another name. I remember Max Power. Because okay. there's that one, one guy. I don't see him on our page. I see him on your Almost Human page. Mac Mercier or something like that. I wonder if it's the same guy. Uh, I don't think so. Oh, okay. All right. The next one is another uh, YouTuber that always leaves comments. Uh, James West. Who, okay. who also left a comment on the Unmasked episode. He said, I was about nine when this came out, but but was a hard was hardcore about Kiss. Had every album, the posters, dolls, everything, but I was let down with this and the elder. I was embarrassed in front of my best friend who was turning me on to Sabbath at 10 to even play him this shit. <laughs> uh, Creatures brought my pride back, and damn, load sucks. Nice. And then he another comment he left on the same video. Happy New Year, Ralph and Ian and Bill too. I enjoy arguing with those two about Kiss when I run across them. So I guess he knows us. Okay. Uh, All right. The another one. This is another guy that always leaves comment. Jeff Howard. How How? On the Unmasked, he wrote. Uh, I hate this album. Hey fellas, love the ACDC Power Age episode. Fuck, I wish I could have seen. Axel DC Riff Raff is the greatest ACDC song ever. Axel sounds amazing. Keep it up, fellas. And by the way, I love Kiss. Just don't necessarily like Unmasked or The Elder. Well, he's half right there. All right. Uh, here's another one for The Unmasked. This guy's called Eli Miller. I think this is a new one. New guy. All right. Uh, here's what he said. He said, hilarious and full of entertainment. I think Unmasked is all right, but the point is that I love your podcast and lately have been religiously watching them and boy you dudes are funny. 
the the crack of Mr. Wally Wally's uh, beer always has me dying of laughter. The mom jokes are incredibly incredibly legendary on this show. And hell, I learn here. Uh, I I learn more here than I do at school. <laughs> um, <laughs> more proof that all our listeners are in bed by now. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and then another one for the unmasked boy. This one has is popular. Wow. Oh, this is, no, no, no. That, this is the one where he goes, hey, Ralph, just wondering, are you and Brody on good terms? Oh, God. Yeah. All right, now speaking of Brody, Brody left the, his name is Downfall. I know I know his name on on, uh, on here, uh, who came up with a real stupid idea for a podcast. <laughs> I get it, because he's a downfall every fucking page he's on, and he keeps getting kicked off. Yeah, what, what, what kind of name is that, Downfall? What are you, Emo? Yeah, I was just gonna say that. What kind of emo shit is that? All right, uh, I'm a child of divorce. Ooh. This this is from the infamous Iron Maiden show where you fired Terrence. Oh, he said yeah. this is still my favorite episode. Great <laughs> info. Ian is hilarious, and Terrence has all the classic cringe moments on here. <laughs> and then he said this about the Keel interview. I put I just put up the Keel interview. He said, keep uploading these to YouTube, guys. Don't tell me what to do, Brody. I love re-listening to these uh, on, on here. For some reason, I prefer listening to these on YouTube because episodes load very slow on Podbean, and it's harder for me to skip around in the episode to find where I left off. I hope you guys keep it up and hope copyright doesn't fuck you guys again. Like I fucked you? Right. Uh, and and uh, let me just say for anybody that has problems with that, the easiest thing to do if, if you listen to the podcast is on your smartphone, you can download it on Podcast Addict. There ain't and nothing you... smart about Brody, bro. Okay. Well, I'll just say for He's, other listeners. He, he actually if, he actually has a dumb phone. Uh, for other listeners, if you have a smartphone, Podcast Addict is the best podcast app to use. You can download the episode and then... It, if, if you go off it, you, you stop it. When you come back, it's at the exact same spot. You can go backwards and forwards, and uh, you can uh, keep old episodes, or you can delete them. You can do whatever, and it's a free app, too. So whether you got an Android or an Apple, Podcast Addict is, is the way to go. Or get on fucking iTunes. Yeah, and leave a review. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> no, no, but but actually, uh, Brody's an all right guy. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just busting balls here. You know, I just, you know, I just make fun of him because he likes talking shit behind my back like a pussy. But other than yeah, that, he's he, a good guy. Yeah. Really? I thought he was a douche. <laughs> well, he is part of the unpopular metal opinion page. Yeah, you know, yeah. in order to join that, you have to be a douche. <laughs> and, and just a, you know when not you just a douche, but a douche. That's right. And you know that when you join the page, you know what they make you do. They, they make you... They, 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 they say to you when you before you come in they go let me smell your finger and then they smell it and if it doesn't smell like pussy you're let it that's right <laughs> all right the next one is from uh, Max Power again this is for the Black Sabbath uh, episode of uh, Heaven and Hell nice right. a real cool rock and metal combat podcast made better by the inclusion of live video and photos see everybody go look at the YouTube videos Yes. For my money, this album gets the nod over Blizzard of Oz, although I do like Diary more than Mob Rules. You know what? I have to agree with Max there. 
You know, even though I love Blizzard of Oz, but yeah, it gives Heaven and Hell a little nod over it. Oh, that's not even close. Uh, Die Young is my favorite track off the album. Outstanding work by Dio and Iomi, along with a sick groove held down by Phil and Ethan during the fade out. Thanks for taking the time to put this up on YouTube. Well, thank you, Max Power. That's all. Yes. Alright, uh, let's see what else we got here. I mean, I look, I said this before and I'll say it again. If you leave little reviews, I'm not really going to read it. Like, you know, John Paul Borden wrote, even though I'm reading it, <laughs> on, <laughs> one of, on one of the YouTube exclusives, he goes, I added it to my media player, which is awesome, but it's not really, you know. Uh, Gray Wolf wrote uh, on the YouTube exclusive, I love Elvis, but agree, not into gospel. See, that I wouldn't read either. So make it more... Yeah. Snazzy. I think you I think you read that last week. <laughs> okay, so then we're done. <laughs> All right, so there there you go. There's the fucking uh, iTunes and uh, whatever uh, 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 iTunes and uh, YouTube reviews. All and, right, uh, yeah. and it was it was it was a slow news week, so we thought instead of kissing our own asses, we'd let you guys kiss them. Yeah, I do yeah. have one news story though. Oh, okay. Uh, you know that, that thing Megadeth is doing that you pay like a lot of money and you get to stay in some tent outside of the same state's house? Have you heard about this? Uh, I, I saw a headline, but I kept going. All right, well, now they added this new part. If you, you know, if you do it, you get to have a church service by David Ellis. Oh, my oh. <laughs> oh, Oh. I'd be like, Dave, can, can you and the other day just get together and sing Conjuring for me? Uh, well, I, I think, you know, and damn it, you know, Dave's on our Facebook page. Dave's posted on our Facebook page. I've tried to get him to come on the show. But maybe you and me should go to this and see if he will marry us. You know, let, let, let's see, let's see. What, you know, you want to do a service, you're a pastor, marry two straight men. Because it's legal now. <laughs> yeah. Hey, which, by the way, you know, me and you, bro. Anyway, yeah. oh, and Wade Stacy, here's one. I, it's He wrote this later. This was uh, yesterday. I guess it was a reply because he wrote, like, he couldn't wait till we did our cock rock debate. Which, by the way, we should talk about this. Uh, he and I got really drunk last week. And we did a review. And then we did the cock rock debate that was such a fucking disaster because we were both polluted but ian was like 20 times more polluted than me and all he did was <laughs> piss me off because he wouldn't listen to me and and he would repeat he would ask me a question i would answer it, and then later on he'd ask me the question like i didn't answer it and then he would accuse me of stuff that i already proved that he's wrong but then he'd accuse me again <laughs> i wanted to just reach through the screen and just smack him silly but uh, this is what Wade Stacy wrote. He goes, uh, you know, he said, I can't wait for the Cock Rock debate. And I replied saying, this debate is not about personal taste. It will be what is Cock Rock and what is not. And then Wade said, yeah, I want to know how, how Billy Squire and Brian Howard, uh, how era, bad company, is considered Cock Rock. Well, uh, since you're the expert, go ahead, tell him. Is it? How uh, Billy Squire and Brian Howe? considered cock rock you know brian how era black Dog. oh yeah well i i definitely think the that's cock rock for sure because i mean that's it's got none of the uh you know like the, the 70s like 
rhythm and blues soul of, of classic era Bad Company, and it was more about just hits on the radio. And, uh, you know, Brian Howe, definitely more of a cock rock, you know, style of singer than, uh, than, uh, uh what's his name? What's this, the real singer of Bad Company? Paul, Paul Rogers. Paul Rogers, yeah, yeah. Definitely, I mean, you listen to stuff like Holy Water, that's fucking cock rock, that, uh, you know, if, uh, with, if ever you needed somebody. You know, it's, it's just, it, it's more 80s. Just like, you know, boy meets girl, fucks girl kind of stuff. It's, it's not heavy metal, and it's not the same, like, just 70s era rock and roll as, uh, you know, as, as old school Bad Company. And then as far as Billy Squire, I mean, Billy Squire's just uh, always been, you know, I guess Billy Squire would almost be more classic rock than cock rock, but he's definitely leaning more towards cock rock. I mean, definitely not metal. You know, I definitely wouldn't call him metal. But he'd lean more towards, you know, cock rock than that, but more more of a classic rock. But even he started to go more uh, cock rock, you know, with later albums, you know, like Don't Say You Love Me and stuff like that. So, so All there's right. that. There you go. Uh, the cock rock expert for retards has just answered your question. Hello. Wade Stacy. so there you go. It is cock rock, right? Cock rock. Well, all right, Cock Rock is uh, those two artists. All right, so I guess we're done, right? Well, we got to get to this awesome episode guaranteed to piss off Justin Childers. Why is that? Oh, because he doesn't like them, right? Yeah. You know, you know something I noticed about Justin Childers? I, I, brought, I brought it to light today. Uh, everybody, you're missing out on some fun at the at the Facebook page. Which, by the way, Ian, have you noticed I've been more active on it? Uh, I don't know because I just got back on. Yeah, you're, you're, you're not active. I am. Yeah. What, what, the, yeah. the switch around. Tables have turned. Yeah. I went on vacation over over the holiday vacation. I took a Facebook sabbatical, and I guess you were there while I was gone. Yeah, I held the fort up. But, uh, there you go. Yeah, I was constantly putting up the YouTube episodes. But now we're back to every Wednesday. Uh, if you're a sub- subscriber, you should be subscribed on YouTube. Every Wednesday, expect a brand new uncensored episode. As I promised, 2017, it's going to be brutal. Because, you know, I mean, today's was brutal, but all the other ones are brutal, too. They're, they're so uncensored that all I did was cut out the parts where we went to the bathroom. I don't even know what's in there. So, anyway, so, actually, when I was listening to that Scott Green one, there was one part where Scott Green sounded like shit. And we are going, hello, hey, hello, hey, can you hear me now? Hello. I left all that in. I was like, oh, boy. I don't leave shit like that in, you know, but I did on that one. Uh, Krusty Farts. Oh, here, here's a newer one, too. He wrote, is there a Ted Nugent review coming? Fuck yeah. Well, yes, there is. Yes, there is. Yes, there is. And it's a good one. You got to stick around for that one. But, uh, all right. So, oh, and uh, Justin Childers. Dude, that guy is always posting, like, porn stars on the Facebook page. And it's always male porn stars. Shocker, huh? He's, he's something else. You know, he's so lazy. When he goes and sucks cock in the men's room, he does it from inside the uh, the handicap stall so he can lean on the, the on the arm rail while he does it. That's wow. fucking lazy. Well, at least he's not passionate about it. Yeah. I, I thought he was. <laughs> I thought that shit was like Diet Coke just for the taste of it. <laughs> now I think he's just, you know, it's like just routine. Oh, but fuck man. it, it's a, it's a free blowjob at a truck stop. I'm not complaining. That's right. Oh, and I want to bring up one more thing before we get into the review. Uh, Mark wrote, 
and, oh, and uh, I didn't reply, but I'll let you do it, okay? You'll let me do what? I'll let you reply to Mark, what he's got to say. Oh, oh okay. He said to me for the 175,000th time how he fucked up with me. And he was asking, man, is there any way we could do the OU812 episode again with him? Now, Mark, I will hand it over to Ian, the cock rock ex uh, expert. Yes or no? Uh, as Winger would say, under one condition. If you make a video <laughs> of yourself burning uh, no less than three LPs and no less than three CDs of Sammy Hagar and you put it up on the on the Facebook page while you renounce God and, and, and praise your love for Satan, then we will do the Van Hagar episode again. Those right. are my conditions. I was hoping you'd say no. <laughs> hey, I, hey, I'm saying there's a chance. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I just put it out there. Let's see how bad he wants it. I don't know. This, 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 he, he craves attention. So uh, let's see how bad. There you go, my final offer. <laughs> there you go, Mark. So uh, uh, renounce, uh, renounce God, praise Satan, and burn Sammy Hagar album. And, yeah. you know, and we'll do that episode with you. Hell, don't burn, don't burn the corn dogs, you son of a bitch. And, and Ian will even be a, a co-host on your episode too. It ain't gonna happen, you don't worry about it. I'm just saying that. <laughs> All right, so uh, without further ado, here we go. Here is uh, the Blue Oyster Cult episode. Voila! Well, all right, now it's time to review 1981, right? 81, is it 81? That's correct. 1981's Fire of Unknown Origins, Blue Oyster Cult. Our second Blue Oyster Cult review, and my personal favorite, because this is the one that, you know, even though Cultosaurus Erectus and On Your Knees I've had before, for some reason, this is the one that I feel is the most consistent for my ears, and uh, I really dig it. And, uh, yeah, uh, I can't tell you how I ended up with this album the first time I bought it. I don't remember. I just don't remember at all. I was trying to fucking remember today, and I don't. But I did have this on release. I did see the tour, and the tour I saw was at the Hollywood Sportatorium with Foghat opening, and MTV was there and filmed both shows complete, and I own them both. Yeah. Rock and roll. Nice. How about you? Tell us uh, how you... Well, I mean, I I grew up with, uh, with this album and with, with this whole band. I mean, my dad was... Uh, huge Blue Oyster Cult fan and it is one band that we shared like equally our passion uh, I always loved him and so did he and uh, he played this one all the fucking time and of course uh, when this came out I was about seven years old something like that uh, and, and you heard Burning For You all over the radio and I mean it's it's just classic that's what it's known for really uh, you know, for other, other than, you know, fans of Blue Oyster Cult, everybody knows, you know, Godzilla, uh, Don't Fear the Reaper, and Burning for You, whether you're a fan or not. But right. that's uh, really what propelled uh, this album. It was their last top 40 hit. And uh, But to me, it's a, it, it's a lot more than just that one song. But uh, I've always loved this. I think this is the last classic 
Uh, I mean, there's other albums after this that I like, but this is the last classic-sounding Blue Oyster Cult to me, and it's also the last one with the classic lineup. So, uh, but uh, it's it's something I, I always listen to, uh, even though I am burned out on, on the aforementioned song. I still love it, and uh, but uh, I, I can put this on any time and be happy. It, it never ages for me, even though it takes me back to a time. Uh, you know, I never get sick of it. All right, cool. You want to dive right into this album already? Hell yeah, I'll take the first one. The title track, Fire of Unknown Origin. This is one the band co-wrote with Patti Smith. And the origins of this song actually go back to, I believe, around the time of uh, Agents of Fortune. And it was a much uh, slower song, uh, slower tempo song. You know why you said you believe it was? Why is that? Uh, the, or- the origin, what you believe, because it, 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 like everybody else, it's an unknown origin when it came out. <laughs> Be here all week, try the veal. Uh, but I believe it's a bonus track on, uh, it, it, it's either uh, on Spectrus or uh, or Agents of Fortune. They have the original like demo of this song. And it's really neat. I mean, it, it's it's similar. I mean, the lyrics are the same and stuff, but the the tempo of the song is different. The sound of it. Uh, but I love them both. But uh, I, I think it's a great opener because it really sets the mood for the whole album. Uh, beautifully produced by Martin Birch. This is the second album they did with uh, with Martin. Second and last, unfortunately. Uh, and, and you will hear those early '80s keys. But, uh, you know, there's good keys, and then there's Lee's keys. And these ain't Lee's keys. Uh, it, 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 it sets the tone. It, it's a dark and eerie album. I mean, much of Blue Oyster Cult is dark. And, you know, what they might not have overall in heaviness, they definitely have in darkness. And I think that's why a lot of people uh, would compare Ghost as a contemporary band that borrows... Uh, I, I, I think greatly for Blue Oyster Cult because it's not the heaviest thing you ever heard, but it's so dark and gloomy that just the, the essence of it is heavy. And uh, and I, I think it's a beautiful, beautiful fucking song. And every time I hear it, I just think of the cover. And the cover to this is absolutely amazing. Like these little cult kids, like children of the corn motherfuckers that always kind of spooked me and intrigued me at, at, at the same time. And, and yeah, the minute I hear that the opening chord to this, I always think the album cover, and uh, and I know I'm in for a, a great like Halloween album, if you will. What do you yeah. think, Ralph? Yeah, the, the cover. You know, the cover reminds me of those guys from Unpopular Metal Reviews. <laughs> and there is a difference. There's keyboards, and then there's Lee boards. <laughs> that's that's right. <laughs> I would love to hear this version you speak of because. I kind of think the keyboards is a bit too upfront in the mix of this one. I don't know about that other one. Okay. No, but there's the no song, key, there's no keyboards on the other one. Well, you see, then I would I, I have a feeling I would like that one much more because, you know, uh, regardless how upfront the keyboards are on this, I still think the song is badass. Doesn't stop it from kicking ass, but it does hold it back a bit. I think it's too hard to slam this song, but it but it does contribute. And making it one of my least favorite tracks on here, actually. Wow. But, well, that I blame it because of the keyboard mix, you know, because it is a great song. It's just, 
I think it's the keyboard mix that kind of like, eh, you know? Where the keyboards are up front on other songs and it doesn't really irk me as much. Except there is another one on here that the keyboard, boy, if they would have just eliminated the keyboards on that, it would have been a great song. But uh, yeah, it's a, it's a great opener. And yeah, you are right. It does, it is a great way to tell you what you're expecting on this album because it's, um, it has the vibe. This vibe is all through the album, even though the song is, there's no repeating of the song. Uh, the sound of it does uh, resonate throughout the album. So um, I'll take the next track, which is Burning For You. This is a song I never get sick of this one, ever. I always crank it when I hear it on the radio. Uh, from that killer opening riff that kicks off the song to the, uh, and, and you know, it almost sounds like, you know, like, like the cover, like Monk's. And then, you know, to the almost police Roxanne drive in the verse. And uh, Buck has such an infectious voice on this. And, and it's infectious musically as well. I love the video to this. The video is total early MTV. It's one of the first MTV videos back then. Hold on. I was just thinking of MTV. <laughs> and uh, amazing harmonies when, you know, uh, Eric comes in with, with Buck. And uh, when they sing it together, I love that shit. I just love the song. And and after over 30 years, I really doubt I will change my opinion on ever getting sick of it. I, I love this song. What do you think? Uh, well, I mean, it's an all-time classic for a reason. It's just, I've just heard it so, uh, so much. But, you know, we, we've discussed these before. You know, certain songs, I've kind of, while I still love them, I lost the magic for them. And... Uh, this is one of them, but I don't mind it if it's in the context of the album. But if I just hear it on the radio, I'm like, oh, man. Because th this band, to me, is really a victim of FM radio, if you will. Because uh, I'd put them right there with, like, a Thin Lizzy. You know, Blue Oyster Cult's known to most people for three songs the same way, you know, Thin Lizzy's known for Boys Are Back in Town and Baby Cowboy Song whiskey in the jar and that's it there's so yeah, many other great songs I don't, you know? I don't hear those songs down here all i hear down here is boys are back in town and on occasion jailbreak but i never heard cowboy song or whiskey in the jar down here ever on the radio really yeah weird. Uh, yeah well I, I heard them in chicago not as much as uh you know uh, boys are back in town but yeah jailbreak's another one but but you know what i mean it's a band that's much deeper than just these, these ones that radio is deemed uh, appropriate. But, I mean, you can see why this just across the board is a hit. Uh, you know, the, the Buck Dharma guitar solo, I think he's so underrated on guitar. Yeah. And uh, I believe I talked about it in the Chinese Democracy uh, episode. There's, I believe it's the first solo in uh, Better, I believe sounds very Buck Dharma. And I remember the first time I heard it, I immediately thought that, you know, Better's my favorite song on Chinese Democracy, and that and that solo is a big part of the reason. Because uh, he's just got, like, a distinct sound and tone that is so clean and precise and, and, uh, and, and beautiful, and, you know, he nails it on this. And, you know, what's so strange, uh, I, I know you'll remember this, Ralph, but uh, right after 9-11, there was certain songs that uh, clear channel radio stations weren't supposed to play. You remember this? No, and this was one of them, huh? Yeah. Oh, you didn't know about this. Yeah, there was uh, 
there was a list of, I think, was it like 50 or 100 songs that clear channel stations, and, and a lot of, you know, radio state terrestrial radio stations are clear channel owned. Uh, and this is one of them that was uh, deemed insensitive. Wow. You know, another one on the list was New York, New York. <laughs> by uh, Frank Really? Sinatra. Frank Sinatra? Oh, yeah. And then they had... Uh, uh, you know, I mean, stuff you wouldn't like anyway. There were certain rage songs and System of a Down and stuff that they just thought... I, I don't. The list was so bizarre because if you ever read it, uh, just the... the I mean, like, even New York State of Mind by Billy Joel, you couldn't play. <laughs> you know? Wow. But burning for you because the buildings were burning. You weren't allowed to play this. And I was just like, it was so ridiculous. Kind of like the, the Dream Theater album that was released on 9-11. Yeah. Uh, had a picture of New York City on fire, and you clearly see the Twin Towers in right. that picture. And it's weird, it was released on that day. Yeah, so it was God Hates happen. Us All by Slayer. Wow. Yeah, because I, I went to Best Buy uh, on 9-11. After I got off, my boss, he wouldn't let us go home. So I had to work the full day, but... Uh, 9-11 was a Tuesday, and as we know now, they changed the release date to Fridays, but for years and years, record release day was Tuesday. It still is. It's now Tuesdays and Fridays. Oh, I thought it was just Fridays now. Okay. No, no, it's it's now Tuesdays and Fridays, yes. Okay. Well, uh, anyway, uh, yeah, I, I went to Best Buy right after I got off work. I bought, uh, I bought God Hates Us All, and, uh, and I, I vividly remember going to, uh, going to a 7-Eleven to buy some beer because I was like, well, fuck it. If, the whole, if we're going to war, I want some beer. And it was so odd, just people... Like, normally you wouldn't talk to other people while you're in a store, but everybody's talking to each other like, holy shit, can you believe this? And there was people in the middle of the streets from uh, the local newspaper handing out, like, free newspapers updating on what they knew to that point. It was, I'll never forget that. But, uh... This song never like made me cry when I heard it thinking about 911. So, there wow. you go. But uh, an amazing song uh, and a hit for a reason. This was also supposed to. This wasn't supposed to be a Blue Oyster Cult song. Uh, the same year as this, I believe it was released this year. Or it could have been '82, but anyway. But Dharma was working on a solo album, oh. and and this was going to be on a solo album. And the rest of the band begged him. They're like, please, we need a fucking hit. You know, because they hadn't had a hit since Godzilla. And even that album didn't do what Agents of Fortunes did. They're like, please, we need this song. And sure enough, it did turn out to be a hit. And, you know, and the last hit. But, uh, yeah, initially this was going to be on his solo album. Well, that's a good thing it wasn't because, you know, Buck Dharma's solo career... You know, it would have been lame if it had this one hit where it could have been the voice to call. Because the voice to call should be the main focus. You know what I mean? Right, right. And, and, and you know, he—he, he, I think he made the right decision, the the selfless decision, and uh, and, and made it a, a band tune. All right, and I'll take the next one, uh, which is "Veteran of a Thousand Psychic Wars." Now, initially, this whole album was to be the soundtrack for the animated movie Heavy Metal. And that's what they went into the studio to do. And I believe what happened, and quite a few of these songs relate uh, to the movie and were written about the movie. But it was probably the record company saying, hey, look, uh, 
these guys' last two albums flopped. You know, we need other people on the soundtrack. Because if, if you look at who's on the soundtrack to Heavy Metal, it's a real weird mix. I mean, you got everybody from fucking Hagar to, to Donald Fagan from Steely Dan and Stevie Nicks and Devo and, and Black Sabbath. And, uh, you know. Cheap Trick. Yeah, Cheap Trick. Yeah, Cheap Trick's got two great songs on there. But uh, I think that was something that was probably the record company going, oh, fuck, we, we need to do something to try to help make this a hit. Uh, but they still use the songs, and uh, but but this is the only one that was used in the movie and, and was on the soundtrack. Now, it's, it's one I've gone back and forth a lot on. Initially, it was my least favorite track on the album when I was a kid. There was just something about it I didn't get, and then I kind of got it, and then I was like, well, now I don't know if I like it. Now I love the song. Uh, the lyrics... Uh, well, the title of it was based on a Hawkwind song, Standing on the Edge, from the album Warrior on the Edge of Time. And uh, But now I, I love it. But this is a total headphone song. Well, I, I think this is a very headphones album. And a very, this, this is a good uh, Smoke Some of the Chiba and, 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 and Listen To album. Because uh, now I love the song and I can totally zone out on, you know, the drum beat. Uh, Metallica did a live cover of this that I've never heard, but I'd like to. Uh, they did it at a benefit. And I know some people who aren't big Blue Cult fans who like, you know, you say you like Blue Oyster Cult and they'll mention this song, they're like, you know? And I kind of get that in a way. I can see people dogging on it, but I can also see why people love it, too. I, You know, because I've been on both both uh, sides of the song, but now I definitely love it. What do you think? I've always loved this song, always, even back in the day. And I remember when I saw them live, this was one of the songs they played. And uh, the keyboard is really up in the mix again, like Fire on the Origin, but, but I don't think it ruins this song. I think it adds to it, to the eeriness of the song, the darkness of the song. I think it's welcomed, you know, that, that keyboard sound. I think it's a great fucking song with a great vibe, and I, and I love the structure of it, and I love how that, uh, bang, and John, and going again, then, and that, you know, that little bridge part. I just think it's really well made, and it's very catchy, and, uh, I love this one, bra. Alright, I'll take the next one. I got a real short, um, thing for this one. Soul Survivor, which, uh, my ex-guitar player, the guy I no longer talk to, um, loves this song. This is, this is an album that he fucking loved because it was one of his childhood albums. And we went to go see him at a a free show at two in the afternoon at, at a casino. And he was like, man, I hope they play Soul Survivor. I go, dude, I, I don't think they will. And uh, I, I can live without it because I, I don't think it's a bad song, but I don't think it's great. I think it's just there. But uh, for some reason, I mean, it really hit his heartstrings. He really loved the song, but Quite honest with you, it's kind of like, you know, I, it's not a song I would skip. Uh, I don't think there's any song on here I would actually skip. Um, because I feel like this album is great as a whole, even though there are some blemishes. And I feel like Soul Survivor is one of those blemishes. I mean, but that's just my opinion. But does Ian think like my guitar player? Ex-guitar player. <laughs> well, not on everything. <laughs> but on this song, you bet your ass. Uh hmm. I dig it, but again, you know, much like what he said, this is an album from my childhood that I, I grew up listening to this vinyl, 
I, I love the bass that when the keys kick in. I just love the eeriness of this. Now this one, I am not sure if this was written, uh, written for heavy metal. It could be, it couldn't, I don't know. But I love the shit out of it. Uh, I don't know, it's just Blue Oyster Cult sounded to me. You know, and I, I love the the lyric aspect of the Soul Survivor, you know. And I love the way Bloom sings it. Uh, admittedly, he's not a big fan, but Justin Childers always rags on Eric Bloom. And you know what? Eric can suck a dick. I mean, not Eric. Justin can suck a dick because Eric kicks ass. Uh, a lot of my favorite songs, that, uh, Blue Oyster Cult songs, are done by Eric. And uh, I love how different he is from from Buck's voice, you know, and it's much like a, a, Sam, a Stanley and Simmons kind of thing. They each have their distinct flavor, but uh, I think Bloom fucking kicks ass, but hey, what do you want for, uh, you know, Justin Childers? I, I happen to agree with you. He does, he's unique, he's weird, and I love that. Yeah. Uh, like in, uh, I won't talk about the song, but the song, I mean, until we get to it, Joan, Joan Crawford has yeah. risen from the grave. When he pops up in that video, I'm like, holy shit, look at the size of that head. <laughs> he had that shorter haircut that really didn't do the size of his head any favors. And he doesn't look the rock star. I mean, he looks a 70s rock star, yeah. Right. But, you know, the whole beard at the time, you know, the early 80s, it, he didn't have that look. And he always wore sunglasses. And it was kind of, he's just a weird dude. But I love that about him. I love how he's kind of like, you know, there's rock stars and there's Eric Bloom, who is really technically a rock star. Oh, but yeah. he, does, he doesn't look it, but he has the goods to make him a rock star. I think so, Justin's jealous because Bloom rocks the Jufro even better than Justin. Yeah, Justin doesn't have a Jufro because he's constantly cutting it so it doesn't come out and pop its ugly head. Oh, yeah, I, I've seen the pictures, though. Oh, yeah. really? Oh, you've never seen the pictures of him with, with the fro? No. Oh, God, it looks like a piece of cauliflower on his fucking head. No wonder he's always angry. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm going to have to show you the pictures. You'll piss yourself. Is, is, is Justin Jewish? No. Well, not that he knows, but uh, I bet what? you if he, if he did some Ancestry.com, he might find something else out. <laughs> yeah, like like I found out I'm, I'm kind of Chinese. I have Chinese in me. <laughs> Ex explains my little penis. <laughs> There you go. All right, cool. Uh, all right, yeah, we talked about this. All right, I'll take the next one. Heavy metal. I like the lyrics, but I feel what hurts this song is it's called heavy metal. This is not a heavy metal song. Just like Sammy Hagar's is not a heavy metal song. The the This verse is closer to metal. I mean, th this version is closer to metal than, than Sammy, though. I mean, this song, than Sammy's version. But still does not have the elements that is heavy metal to me. The riff is kind of dull, too. I'm not really a big fan of this one, to tell you the truth, honestly. What do you think? Wow, uh, I couldn't disagree more. I think it's a badass hard rocker, and I think I think the term fits. I love the heavy chug of the song. The heavy metal, black and silver. I mean, I mean that's, to me, it, it, it's heavy. I mean, yeah, it's definitely better than, than the Hagar bullshit that fucking Scott Green loves so goddamn much. But what is it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> fucking, fucking Abba's heavier than fucking Sammy Hagar. Yep. Uh, 
but no, I, I think it, I think it's a good rocker. It's short and to the point. Uh, it's the shortest song on the album. And, Wait, uh, I need I need to punch in my clock for a second. Here's right. Sammy Hagar bash of this episode. Chee chee. All right, go ahead. <laughs> uh, but I I think it's a great hard rocker and a great way to close outside one. It's not a bad song. Don't get me wrong. And I do I think that the best thing about that song is the lyrics. I think the lyrics are awesome, but. I think it's just the title. It it kind it does taint it for me. I mean, I guess musically it would it would have been better for me if it wasn't called heavy metal. If they would have just called it hard rock, you know, I think I would have liked it more. Hard rock, black and silver. You know. <laughs> All right, vengeance, the pact. I love this one, but the guitar riff should have been a little more upfront. Who did this album? Martin Birch. That's really weird because he's like one of the greatest motherfuckers ever, you know. But I think the keyboards kind of bar, uh, but uh, bury that riff. The riff is so cool, and I love the changes in the song. It's weird in a great way. Um, it's kind of a, the deep track on the album, but I love Vengeance to Back. What do you think? Oh, absolutely love it. I love the gloom of the song, and I think the keyboards add to that gloomy atmosphere. Uh, this is one that was written about uh, the last story in heavy metal with the chick on the fucking bird and shit. Right. Uh, and yeah, I mean, just perfect, perfect. I, I I love this song. It's it's got you know glorious darkness all over it. Even though if the keyboards might be a little bright, uh, you know I I, I think it, it's killer. Great gloom rocker. I love it. I got an unpopular metal opinion. Oh, okay. I'm not really a big fan of that movie. Really? I'm telling you, bro. And you know what? It came out on Blu-ray, and I bought it just to have it. Um, I'll give you my little history on the movie. Uh, back in the day, I was the champion, bar none, of winning shit on the radio. Because you got to remember, this is before speed dialing. You know, this is before, you know, scamming. Because today it's virtually impossible to win shit on the radio. I used to win on the radio so much. I'll give you an example how good I was at winning on the radio. I used to live, when, when I lived with my parents as a little kid, I lived in the back house, and the back house had no phone. We had one phone on the wall in the kitchen, which was about 50 feet away from my, my room. And they were giving tickets away for ZZ Top. And I ran from the back of my room and I got to that phone so quick that I won the tickets. And back then it was first call, you know? It, was, it wasn't it was answer this question, it wasn't six caller. Back then it was like, bam. So I won tickets to see Heavy Metal, the movie. Uh, I saw the premiere in a big ass theater back then. I guess it was the equivalent of IMAX today. And you know what it is? I'll tell you what it is, dude. I'm not a big fan of anime or animation. I'm not, you know I mean? I loved the Looney Tunes as a kid. And yeah, and a lot of, you know, Saturday morning cartoons I loved as a kid, but, and the Flintstones and shit like that. When I was a kid, I loved all that shit, but this is like adult uh, animation. And I just didn't get it. Yeah, some parts were kind of funny, the, the alien snorting coke and shit like that. But I don't know. And to me, I mean, looking at, and I recently, well, no, I didn't recently buy it. I bought it when it was, released on Blu-ray, what was it, like maybe two years ago or so? Right. And uh, I brought it home and I watched it again. 
And honestly, it's kind of like, it, I don't know, man. There's just something about watching cartoons or animation that's adult-driven that is so popular and so loved. Especially this movie. This movie is so well-respected, but I think the reason why I don't like it is what I just said. I I, I like I like stupid, com, uh, you know, goofy shit on my cartoons. And, and, uh, and now it's gotten to the point where I hate anything that comes out on cartoon after uh, Ren and Stimpy and Beavis and Butthead. After that, it's like, I, I watched SpongeBob, SpongeBob, what is it? Sponge. SpongeBob SquarePants. Yeah, yeah, I watched that and I'm like, well, he's got Ren's voice, but, or is it, yeah, Stimpy. Who's the dog? Ren, I, right? I don't know, I don't watch kids' cartoons. Oh, well, that was a good one. I like that one, it was just so stupid, it was good. But uh, SpongeBob is very much like it. But yeah, that's my unpopular metal opinion. But you know, I'll say it on the episode. I won't make a post saying, look at me, look at me, look at me. Pay attention, I get no vagina, but look at me. <laughs> let me, let me, have, let me like say stuff to, to obstruct the fact that I'm a virgin and talk about something else. And I gotta fucking say this because I'm angry. I'm tired of whacking my butt. <laughs> but God bless you. Thank you. All right, so uh, where are we? <laughs> uh, I was just about ready to talk about <coughs> excuse me after dark oh and by the way just a little side note I <laughs> I, I, I have a channel now uh, yeah it, my 175,000th channel is reviewing movies and I told people to send me movies uh, for me to review and poor Nate man he sent me an animated movie <laughs> And I am going to watch it, Nate, and I'm going to review it because I told everybody, whoever sends me a movie, I will review it whether I like it or not. What's and the he movie? Sent Wizards, I think it's called. Oh, I, I, I know of it. That's a, uh, Ralph Baskey did the animation. Yes. Guy did, uh, Fritz the Cat. Yes. I, yes. I've never seen it. I know of it, but I've never seen it. Uh, yes. And uh, I have it. And Nate, who's probably listening now, um, I will watch it. Just give me a little time. I really got to psych myself up to lay down and watch it. And everybody else listening, hey man, buy me a movie and I'll review it. And I'll call you out during it. Cause I did that for Andrew Jacobs as well. He sent me a real good movie, Windy City some shit. And it was really funny. He loves that movie. It was funny, man. I love it. It was funny in a different way though. It's not your typical comedy, but it was really good. And that will be my next review, which is uh, Vieira's Blu-ray DVD reviews. And there's also a Facebook channel. So join it and subscribe to it. But, you know, honestly, subscribe to the this this podcast YouTube page is more important to me. Thank you. Right on. All right. Well, next we've got After Dark. Uh, now, boys, there's some keys on this. But I love this fucking song. To me, it sounds uh, very much, there, there's something still dark about it. But it's uh, very much influenced by like you know bands that were big at the time. Like I could hear some Cars or some Romantics in this. Uh, but yeah, if you don't like Keys, <laughs> you ain't gonna like this song because uh, they're up there front and center. But uh, it works for me. It's a perfect album track that just keeps the flow going. I love After Dark, but I got a feeling you might not. What do you think, Ralph? Uh, you're wrong. I like it, but oh. but before before you say that, and this may predate it, but the keyboards on this song reminds me a lot of "Goodbye to You" by Scandal. Ah, good point. 
uh, I'm, I, I'm pretty sure Scandal came out after this, though. Yeah. Scandal featuring the singer that almost became Van Halen's singer. And, you know, I mean, come on, it'd be terrible to follow up uh, Van Halen with Daily Roth with, with a chick. But now in retrospect... They did. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I, I love this song. I you know, but again, um, it you know it, the, the keyboards are a little high in the mix, but it's you know it's and even the keyboard is it, I don't mind it that much. It, it is of the time though. You know, I mean that you hear this and you think of the eighties. I like. It, to me, it's like Blue Oyster Cult being new wave, uh, yeah. with a with a punky vibe in the beginning. Um, now, there, there's yeah. one. There's one I don't know if you've heard, Ralph, that is an outright Cars ripoff, but I fucking love. It's the last song on Mirrors, and it's called "You're Not the One I Was Looking For." I mean, it is outright Cars ripoff, but it's amazing. Well, you know what? Funny enough, I don't remember that one, and I listened to Mirrors the other day, and holy fuck, one of my favorite Blues to Call songs is what kicks off that fucking album. They call me Doctor. They call me Doctor. <laughs> I love that song, dude. That song's so catchy and fucking killer. But uh, but you know, um, what I really my favorite part of After Dark though is holy fuck, does Buck Dharma go ape shit on that solo? Wow, yeah. I mean that is a great, great under underrated, amazing guitar player doing an amazing, shreddy guitar solo with a lot of effects, and uh, you know, and, and it's got a great riff, but yeah, it is a little buried again. But dude, don't don't get me wrong, it even the buriedness, just like uh, veterans, you know, it, it adds to it, and I really don't mind it. Yes, it's. It sounds kind of dated, but usually dated shit I don't like. This one I love, and yeah, After Dark is a great song, dude. I uh, I gotta say, I admit it, I admit it. All right, Joan Crawford. Is it just called Joan Crawford, or Joan Crawford is risen from the grave? Just Joan Crawford. <clears throat> what a creepy little ditty this one is, and boy, I love this one. It just flows so well. That was until that little bizarre turn with the car crash, phone ringing, car register, cash <laughs> registers, uh, horse races, sheeps, fire alarms. I mean, there's so much shit going. It's like the kitchen sink part I can do without, but it's still a cool part if you took out all those sound effects. I like what's going on under it, you know? Right. And you, uh, you hear that. It's like, what the fuck's going on, man? You know? But, uh, you know, those, I'm telling you, if those sound effects were left off, that would have, like that guy from that movie, that'd be great, you know? <laughs> yeah. Take that out, you know? But um, I do love what comes after with that creepy, Christina. It's so creepy. And then back to the chorus. I, and, I, and I think what I really, really love about this song, everything I love about it, but I think, just a smidget, what I think puts everything above on the song. I love the piano work on the song. It is yeah. so well done. I love the intro, it's creepy, but then that during the song, it's so fucking cool that, oh my God, this is a, this is a song I love from the get-go, aside from that bizarre part. But um, 
Yeah, man, and they played this live back then. That fucking video where, you know, yeah. it's so fucking weird. And again, I mean, my dream is one day to have a video like that. You know, just a stupid 80s video. I don't think anything is cooler than stupid 80s videos, you know, other than vagina and leeboards. But I love Joan Crawford. I think it's a fucking great song. I guess it probably was the second single, right? Uh, no, here's the weird thing. <laughs> there was only one single from this album, but it was released twice. Oh, really? Burning for you? Yeah, it was burning. Now, unless this is a misprint, because, you know, but sometimes they did make videos for stuff that wasn't officially released as a single. But according to Wikipedia, uh, it was released twice, once in July of 1981. Uh, with Vengeance, the pact, as the B-side. And then uh, released again in September of 81 with Heavy Metal, Black and Silver as the B-side. Interesting. Maybe MTV had something to do with it because it was played so much on MTV that right. maybe they, want, they wanted to put it on the radio at the same time. Because you got to remember, at that time, MTV didn't have many videos. So you could catch Burning For You every other hour. You know, as, and as, long, as well as Triumph videos and squeeze and shit like that i wish i had like you know a big collection of everything mtv had during that time you know i mean i know this predates you because i think you got into mtv like in 84 or something but when mtv first came out they didn't have commercials they had war footage with some music going on that would last about 10 minutes and then they'd go back into the vjs and the videos and then go back into this war footage man and uh I miss that, man. I mean, I miss MTV. I really do. I mean, when MTV got huge, I mean, it kind of sucked. But, you know, we did have your Headbangers Ball and your occasional pop song I did like. It was very rare. But, man, early MTV was special because... And you know what? Another funny thing is that I, in my head, thought of MTV before there was an MTV because there used to be a show called Video Jukebox that would come on every... It was a video. It was a cable uh, channel show. You know, and uh, they'd show the same videos every other day. It was like, and it was like an hour show. They'd show the same fucking video. Then the next day they'd show different videos. Then the day after that, they'd show the same video from two days prior. And I thought even back then, I go, man, wouldn't it be cool if there was a whole channel of 24 hours of, or, you know, not 24 hours, because back then there was no such thing as 24 hour shit, unless you had HBO or something. Because remember right. the, the little test pattern? Right. And but, uh, uh, the, 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 what was it? Uh, the national anthem before. Right. Oh out. yeah. Oh, I definitely remember that. But now, one thing I think we've talked about this before. When you're talking about video jukebox, you're not talking about video jukebox from from HBO, right? Because HBO had a half hour show called Video Jukebox no. in the early '80s. This one, it was so cool. It had this real cheesy like Nintendo effect in the front, in the beginning of the show, and they were playing Carousel Ambra. That was the theme song to the to the show, was Car- the Led Zeppelin's Carousel Ambra. And they would show, I, I'll tell you the videos they showed, Iggy Pop on board was one of the ones they always like played over and over again. Sticks, uh, Borrow Time, um, I can't remember what else. I, I mean, I, I will later, but, but it was, and, and they were great, you know, that's like, you know, and, and it's not really a well-known Iggy Pop song, but dude, that song to this day, 
Like if I'm bored, I think of that song. I'm not, I'm the chairman of the board. I'm a yeah, I love lot. that song. Oh, I love it too. I I, I adore that song. But um, but it, and it's a great video. You know, he's like inside a little room and shit. I don't know if you ever saw it. Now oh, and yeah. then I'll go on YouTube just to you know, uh, just remind me of those early days of you know early '80s because I was the first guy to have cable on my block. And I mean, dude. Cable was so in the infancy. I mean, I know HBO has been around since the 70s, but I'm talking about 1980 was when this was happening. Right. Uh, when MTV came, it didn't it didn't come to my cable uh, service till like maybe six months or maybe even a year. I, but it was still very new. And I remember watching those uh, little commercials. I want my MTV. Oh, call your ro local ra uh, demand MTV. And I would, you know, but it took a while for us to get it. But um uh, I lost my train of thought. I was gonna say, oh, oh yeah, uh, I would do this, dude. Check it out. This was before Preview Guy. You know, I, well, I don't even think Preview Guy exists because I was looking for it the other day. Uh, that channel where you can see what's coming on each channel right, station. Right. What I would do, the cable, my cable company was about maybe like a mile, a mile and a half from my house. Every fucking month, I'd walk over there, and there'd be pamphlets in there of what was showing on HBO this this right. month and this and that. And, it was, uh, it was good. It was a good time to be alive, man. Oh, I, I, I used to get that uh, mailed to my grandparents' house, the HBO guide, and I'd, I'd be so excited each month for the new one to come out to see what ten movies were going to be on <laughs> that, yeah. that month, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. but yeah, I, I love the early MTV, too. Now, you know, like I said, I didn't get it where I lived till 84, but where my dad lived at the time in the early 80s, he had the channel, and when I would go see my dad, you know, that was something really, really special to watch MTV, you know. And uh, there, there's one thing, I'm, I'm going to have you, uh, for, you know, the listeners out there, this is the first of three and a half episodes we're going to record today. And uh, before the next one, there's a new video out route that I want you to watch that is totally early 80s, and I think you might hate the song. But the video, I think you'll absolutely love because it pulls out every cliche out of the early, early 80s uh, videos. I'm oh, talking. I, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to love it. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm talking like, uh, uh, when I'm talking about early cliches, think about like the Lunatic Fringe video by Red Rider. Yeah, yeah, yeah love it, love it. Oh, oh, oh you, you will, you'll probably hate the song, but you'll love the video. Yeah, it's just like Lunatic Fringe. I mean, I don't really hate the song, but it really doesn't do much for me. But right. I love that video because it's so cheesy. It's oh, horrible. yeah, and, and that's how this one is. But to get back but to... But what, uh, what video are you talking about? Uh, <laughs> like I said, you're going to hate it. It's uh, a new video by Taylor Hawkins, who is... Uh, he's the drummer for the Foo Fighters. Okay. And... Uh, Good and drummer. What's that? Good drummer. Yeah, and, uh, and and he's got like a new solo EP out, and uh, the, the song is kind of, I, I I mean it's it doesn't sound like Foo Fighters, but it's not metal. It's just kind of weird, but the video is just so, I mean it's so obvious what he's trying to recap recap. Even if you if you look at the album cover for the new EP, I was like Jesus Christ that, because I saw that before the video. I was like it looks like from the artwork like it came out in 81 and then I watched the video and I totally got the whole what he was going for you know you know but, you uh, know who also did and, and I think they were a terrible band 
who also did an, a video recreating the early 80s where it was nothing but a white room. Because I love those videos too. Right. They're just playing in a white room. was uh, Stone Temple Pilots. Uh, oh, for uh, Big Bang Baby? Yeah, yeah. I love the video. Oh, yeah. The video's great because then it shows like Scott Weiland throwing money and coming back like they reverse it. Right. And a guy, guy dancing around with an elephant head. Oh, yeah. You know, makes no sense. I'd love whoever made that video is a fucking genius, you know. Oh but, yeah, yeah. I, I agree. The the song's terrible though. But I mean, but I, I'm wow, not really, you didn't like it, huh? Well, I don't like the band. Yeah, I know, but I, I I I like if there's any song that I would think, well, he'll like this one. I would think that would be one that you'd be like, oh okay, I like this one. There but, is two as Stone Temple Pilot songs I actually like, and I wonder if you can guess. Oh. Uh, One's off the first album, and I believe the second one's off the second album. Uh, Vaseline and sucks type thing. I don't Boy, know. you got you got one of them right, uh, Vaseline, okay. and okay. I love the creep. Oh, okay, cool. Is is that the name of the song? Yeah, I'm half the man I used to yeah, be. Yeah, yeah. Good song, yep. you know. Yep. Actually, made me go buy the album, and I was like, oh man. I am sitting on whatever the fuck that. Damn, won't it? I was like, eh. But, uh, yeah, I, I loved Creep. I, I, I did like that song, and I liked, uh, and I like I love Vaseline. That was the first single off the second album, and I right. thought, wow, this is really good. I should buy it. And I go, no, 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 don't, don't. Remember Creep. <laughs> so I never went, and I really hate that interstate love song or whatever. Yeah. I was rapping to a chick the other day, and she's like, you know, on Facebook, and then on her wall she put, this is one of the greatest songs ever. And she put up 1979 from Smashing Pumpkins. I was like, oh, this is never going to work. Because <laughs> I, I actually feel like it's, it is the worst song I ever heard in my life. Wow. Yeah. Anyway. So, let's get back to the album. Yeah. Uh, back to Joan Crawford. Um, you know, another thing we didn't talk about is, at the time of this release, how big the movie Mommy Dearest was. And, yes, uh, and you know that movie was made fun of a lot back then. No yeah. more coat hangers. Right, but but I mean it was, and it kind of ruined uh, Faye Dunaway's career uh, yeah. because it was kind of seen as a no-no to to make fun of an icon or you know to portray a Hollywood icon like that. Uh, a, a lot of the old guard of old Hollywood that was still alive at that point was very unhappy about that movie. And, uh, you know, like, oh, you don't talk about the real dirt like that. But that movie did. But it was it was like almost like a big phenomenon. And, uh, you know, and this song, I think, you know, cashed in on it. And it's my least favorite song on the album. But I, st but I still love it. Uh, you know, and, and to me, that just speaks of the strength of this album. Yeah. That, uh, that uh, you know, even though it's my least favorite, I, I still love this song. And I agree what you said about that intro and the great piano by Alan Lanier on that is 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 incredible and really sets the mood. And like I said, uh, you, you know, they get lumped in. I mean, for the '70s, yes, they were heavy metal, uh, but not what what you consider by '80s terms is heavy metal. Yeah, like you know? ACDC was called heavy metal back then. Right, and and it's really just rock and roll. And the same thing with Kiss. Kiss is so not metal. It's, you know? Until until some of the '80s stuff. Oh yeah, well, well that was when they tried to be metal. Yeah. But you, you know what I mean. But but you look at the original sound of Kiss. It's not metal. It's just rock and roll. It's just 
it, it's it's more uh, heavy metal, maybe theatrics. And you some know? and some and some blueprint metal, strange ways, and parasite. There's there's some songs you could say, dude, that shit's metal. You know, yeah, but, but it, it but, was far uh, between. I know. Yeah, for every one of that, you got tomorrow and tonight that you could hear the Partridge Family fucking do. I love know? that song. So, well, I love the Kiss Alive Two version more than the studio version. Right. But uh, but anyway, uh, what Blue Oyster Cult always did to a T was the dark, eerie atmosphere. And Joan Crawford keeps that up. And then we go into the last song, uh, which I really love and I think is a great way to close the album. And it's called Don't Turn Your Back. And uh, again, there's just something sinister about this that almost, you know, would creep me out as a kid. But it, but it also intrigued me the same way, like, you know, certain horror movies would still scare me as a kid, but I couldn't look away. And that's how this music is, you know, it kind of, you know, as a kid, I'd feel weird listening to it because musically it was dark and eerie, you know, it was like, you know, like Vincent Price kind of, you know, meets H.P. Lovecraft kind of shit, but I always loved it, and, uh, and man, what a great way to end this uh, awesome album. What do you think of Don't Turn Your Back? Such a cool, fucking chill and killer song. I love that cool bass riff on this one. It's just so infectious and cool. And I don't know, there's something about the song. It just oozes of cool. It's like if Fonz wrote it for us, you know? I love everything about it. And the vocal harmonies on this shit. Oh, yeah. Don't Turn Your Back has always been one of those songs that back in the day, I would be like, man, I love this song. I really do love this song. Uh, it's kind of a sound out track, actually, for me. But, you know, I never really said what my favorite song is on this album, and, and I know I'm going to sound trendy, but I'll have to go with Burn It For You, because it's just so infectious and so, you know, but this one would probably be a close second. I love Don't Turn Back. It's just a great, great, great song, and yes, it's a great way to end the album. I love albums that end with a very mellow, killer song, like uh, what we reviewed in the past, um, Suitcase Blues by Triumph. You know, I just love an album that, I love an album that ends fucking brutal and fast and crazy too but you know to end an album with a nice ballady type song that sh is well made I, I think they hit the mark with Don't Turn Back great fucking song which I don't believe they played live yeah I, I, I think the only thing I've ever heard I mean I know they might have played some other ones live but when I've seen them I've only heard Burning For You and I think uh, once or twice I heard better than a thousand cycles. Yeah, actually, that show I was telling you about at the at the casino, they played that one in the daytime. I was like, "Yeah, veterans, this is awesome." My my ex buddy was like, "Oh my god, they're playing this!" I go, "Yeah, dude, this is really good." I thought that was I don't know, maybe it is a mainstay on because I've seen Blue Cult like four times in uh, the past decade, and that was the only time they they pulled that one out. But and, yeah, and, dude. And you can still see him at every goddamn biker rally or rib fest barbecue show. I mean, I, I know it's kind of funny in a way, but I mean, they are one of the hardest working bands in rock. I mean, they are out there nonstop. And I believe Eric Bloom's in his 70s now. And, and, and still, they are out there playing multiple shows. I mean, lots of shows every year. Uh, I hope to, to get to see him again. Uh, recently, they've been playing some shows 
with Albert Bouchard coming out, at least for a couple songs, the original drummer who would be kicked out of the band uh, following this tour. I guess he was having like a real bad time and I, I think he had brought a girlfriend on tour with him in Europe and was traveling separately with her and you know that shit never ends well and I think one time he didn't make it to a to a show on time I think it was like a Donington type show oh boy and, and I, I think the lighting the lighting guy or the drum tech Rick Downey uh, had to start out playing the show and, and eventually that's who replaced him and would finish the tour for this album and would play drums on the next studio album Revolution by Night but uh to me, I can to get, tell you, I, uh, I'm sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, to me, to get the the classic, uh, you know, sound, you really need all five of them, because uh, even though Alan Lanier uh, sang very little, there's only like three or four songs uh, that he sang lead on, his keyboards and rhythm guitar were very important to the sound, and the other four all had their own songs, which made, you know, the whole sound very unique because you know you know buck's vocals are one eric bloom's another joe bouchard uh and albert bouchard the brothers they both had their own sound and coming together you just got such a diverse uh you know repertoire of material and uh you know from this point on it was it was basically uh you know just uh, the only flavors you get really are are Buck and, and Eric, and as great as they taste, I like having, you know, the other flavors there for, for classic Bloister Cult. Nice. Uh, I wanted to touch upon what you were saying, how they're the hard work and stuff. Um, my little history with Bloister Cult, I'm not as big as a fan as you are, though I, I they are very intriguing to me. And yes, I have a Bloister Cult shirt, and I think I deserve to wear it. Uh, because um, the things I like about Bloister Cult I like like a lot and the things I don't I don't hate I just don't get it but um, my history with Blue Oyster Cult was of course I'm a child of the 70s so I knew Don't Fear the Reaper and Godzilla to me was like you know death metal you know it was like so heavy uh, that I am a little fucked up on the time frame because you got to remember this is like over 35 years ago I don't know which show I saw first if it was at the baseball stadium with Hart, where it was uh, the very first Motorhead show ever. Uh, and they had the big Godzilla, you know, there. And then I saw them at the Hollywood Sportatorium, the one I was talking about earlier on this tour. I believe they were both the same tour. So I, I would, I guess the Hart show was after that one, I'm not sure. But when they played these big, the Hart show was at the Miami baseball stadium, okay? They played a fucking stadium. Then I saw them play an arena, and let me tell you something, that arena was packed. You know, you also had Foghat on the bill, which was still very huge at the time. I mean, huge enough, you know? Right. And then I saw them, fast forward like over 20 years, the first time I saw Blue Skull after that was at the Culture Room, a place I played, you know? So you know it's not a big place, uh, which is Fort Lauderdale. And when I saw them that night, dude, I'm telling you, watching them, they it looked like they looked like on stage they were playing the Miami baseball stadium again. They give you a show. They oh, know yeah. they've been downgraded so much and it doesn't affect them. You know, the only band I can think that's like that is fucking uh Cheap, Cheap Trick. Trick. Yeah. Cheap Trick. Dio too though. I saw Dio in a club. 
and they were fucking amazing. Priest too, you know what I mean? But Boris the Cult went up there and they, dude, and, and I, I heard a recent interview with Eric Bloom where they asked him about the song Take Me Away. And he said, I love that song, but it's such a bitch to, to sing live. Well, they played it live at the Culture. That was the only time I ever seen him play that song. I love that song. No, that song is like uh, probably my favorite or one of my favorites. Wow. Um, but um, yeah, just this is a real band, just like Cheap Trick. These are bands that you could look, you know, I mean, they could have broken up and went into real estate or whatever the fuck. But these are guys that really love what they're doing. And you when you need to go see Blue Oyster Cult live. That's one thing I tell everybody out there, man. Especially oh, yeah. people like Justin Childers, because, you know, people that don't get it, you know, that don't like them at all, if you right. see them live, they will convert you. Because they're so good. And musically, they're so original and yet talented and just badass. And, you know, Buck Dharma looks great for his age, let me tell you. Oh, yeah. And, and they, they still, uh, you, you know, Eric Bloom depending on the show sometimes you know he doesn't quite have the same strength but i mean the man is in his 70s but still i mean still delivers uh you know you know for my ears and uh again they're incredible and, and you hit it on the head because i've seen them only play small shows but you never get that feeling you know you always feel like you're, you're seeing a headliner and, and, uh, and i can tell you this right now what you saw in was what i saw in the early 80s the right. same kind of enthusiasm and no fucking around and let's do this. And uh, I, I just want to bring a little funny little uh, note was the last time I saw them when they played Don't Fear the Reaper, Eric Bloom played um, uh, uh, um, Cowbell. Air, Air Cowbell. <laughs> you know, he just like, you know, he put his hand up and he was pretending that, you know, he hit a cowbell. It was beautiful. Right. It was gorgeous. I love I it. I know, and, and everybody, you know, knows that classic skit, and, uh, it, you know, it's unfortunate that, you know, I mean, I mean, I guess it's fortunate in a way because it did kind of bring about a little resurgence, but it's like, they're not a joke band. I mean, they yeah. are a, a great, hardworking band that deserves way more respect than they got. They were very, uh, not only influential, but, but very original, you know, and, and, and every time you see Metallica do something, you know, they've done a cover of Astronomy and they did a live cover of uh, uh, Veterans and, uh, you know, you'll, you'll see James wearing a, a Blue Oyster Cult shirt. The one who was into Blue Oyster Cult was Cliff. Yes, and I've seen him wear that shirt. Yeah, yeah, Cliff was huge into Blue Oyster Cult. Yep. And, uh, you, you know, and, and that's the thing. It's like the people who know, know. And, you know, it's funny there are, you know, cults in the name because... They are a cult band, but the people who truly take the time, uh, you know, do a little research, listen to these albums, uh, I, I think it pays off in spades, because uh, they're absolutely amazing. This is only our second Blue Oyster Cult review, but, uh, you know, I plan for this show to go on for years, and I will tell you, I would love to do a review for every single album, because... And let I, me tell you something, I would love to study those albums. So when you want to do the next one, I mean, I really did have a great time studying secret treaties i ended up loving that album where i just heard it the other day and i don't know you were kind of drunk last night but i played um a song yeah after, yeah i heard that i play i can't remember the song and the uh, joke's on you yeah. i love that song yeah I what's, love the name, it. what's the name of that one 
Oh, fuck. Oh, oh. Is this submission? Um, no, uh, it's on Secret Treaties. Fuck. The second to last song. The one that goes into astronomy. Uh, subhuman. No, it wasn't or that no. one, was it? God damn it. Uh, now you gotta look it up. Yeah, I know. I can't believe I'm. I can't. I think it, it's it's two words. It's like something and. Uh, uh, flaming telepaths. Flaming telepaths. Flaming telepaths. Yeah. What a great fucking Jesus. song. What a great song that was. And that I discovered by your. Uh, you know, you tell me to. You know, we want to review it. So I sat yeah. there and I listened to that album over and over and over again. And I love that album now. I mean, I think it's a great album. Fire by Unknown Origins is something I didn't have to study. Right. Because uh, this is one that I bought as a kid. I had on, on Your Feet, On Your Knees, a great live album. And I owned Cult of Sorcerer Rectus, which is a very strange album. But for some reason, I love it. Yeah, um, I, I do as well. So there you go, man. That's our uh, review. So what's your backstory on this one? Uh, well, let me get back to it. This was released uh, July 1981, produced by Martin Birch, their second and last with him. And uh, really was the last time they really made an impact. Uh, I believe the live album they did from this tour, Extraterrestrial Live, uh, sold decently. But uh, the oh, next... Oh, oh, yeah. You know what? I owned that album and I didn't like it. Uh, I didn't I, like I, it. I, I like it, but compared to the first two live albums, uh, you know, no. Oh, wait, wait, is, wait, I'm sorry. I'm thinking of Enchanted Evening. Which oh, is Summer the one with the Prim Reaper? That's Some Enchanted Evening. Yeah, I didn't like it. Really? Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I like that. Well, you know, my favorite will, uh, favorite live will always be On Your Feet or On Your Knees. Yeah, that one I bought as a little kid. Though, uh, I haven't listened to it, Some Enchanted Evening, in like decades, so maybe I'll change my tune, but I remember I bought that one also as a little kid, and I was like, oh, this ain't doing it for me. Well, it, you know, it, it was a it was a short album. Uh, yeah. There's a, there's an incredible remastered uh, version that comes out now with uh, with extra songs, and it comes with a DVD uh, of a of a concert from from that tour. Uh, that's really good. I'd recommend that to anybody that's a fan. Uh, but uh, but yeah, uh, you know, this was kind of the last hurrah for them as far as you know popularity. Uh, the next studio album, Revolution by Night, uh, didn't do very well. And then they kind of went into uh, really cult status, if you will. And, you know, they've been kind of stuck there ever since. But uh, I, I still love them. And I wish they'd put out a new album. I really do. Uh, I know they've had a real hard times finding record labels, and that's unfortunate. But, uh, you know, I, I would love to hear... Uh, some more, you know, new music, you know, before they call it a day. And it, it can't be too far away because of their age. So if they come anywhere around you, uh, please go to whatever Rib Fest bike rally, whatever the fuck it is, county fair. Check them out. Uh, you won't be disappointed. If you are, you're probably a prick and your name's Justin Childers. <laughs> so, uh, all right. Well, that's our review and, uh, why don't we go into pick of the week? Ralph, do you have a pick of the week? I sure do. Nice. Um, I just got in the mail the other day the Paranoid Box Set. And I absolutely adore this because inside the box set, there is a killer hardcover book. Um, 
And also, uh, a replica of a tour book is in there from 1970. And it brings, um, you know, the original album. And then it brings a quadro mix version, whatever the fuck, which I, I, you know, some pick of the week. I haven't listened to that one yet. But I did listen to the extra discs, which is two separate shows. Uh, one that I've had forever from Montrux, I think, in, in Paris. Mantra. Mantra. Yeah, uh, Deep Purple. Um, yeah. the, I saw, you know, I, I owned that bootleg on, on uh, videotape forever. It was released again on past lives, or some of the tracks, not in complete. Well, this is also, this is the complete version, which I love, but, you know, and, the ver- and it sounds great and everything. But the other one, I love so much more, man. It is a really great show that was later in the tour from Brussels, October of 1970. And the sound of it is so good. And Ozzy sounds so upfront in the mix. And uh, and it also brings a classic, the po- a poster that's the classic. I always love that picture of them sitting in front of that church uh, in there. And uh, I think that's it. I think that's all it brings, but Oh my God, I mean, for a Sabbath fan, it is a must. And it, Paranoid is the album that if I ever put it on, I put on side two. And I'm kind of burnt out on War Pigs and, you know, Iron Man. I love Planet Caravan. Yeah, I can never get, you know, that one doesn't burn me out. Paranoid does to an extent, but boy, I love performing Paranoid live. Even though I sound kind of shitty doing it, I don't care. But, because um, Paranoid is that one song and when you hang out with friends and you just want to jam, that everybody knows how to play that one. But uh, that is my pick of the week. The box set that just came out uh, here in 2016, the Paranoid box set. What's your uh, pick of the week? Uh, well, first of all, I'd say I'd love to get that. And uh, I'd be interested to hear what they did uh, with the second disc, because that really intrigues me, the, the quadraphonic mix. Yeah, yeah, I got, I got to listen to it. Well, well, what it is, is I mean, there was a, a short-lived phase in the 70s when they were re-releasing albums with a quadraphonic mix. Oh wow. And, and and what that what that means is it was it was set up for four channels, not just uh two like a normal stereo where you got your right and your left. Quadraphonic was, you know, four it was it was like the original surround. You would have two speakers behind you, but every channel was different. And it just never took off the way they intended it to. But basically, what they tried to do with this is convert it into stereo, which I don't know how that would work. I don't know if there's that much of a difference, but that's the one I would really be interested to hear. But then again, you would have to have a real good, you know, the proper sound system to really tell if there's a difference. But I would be interested in that. Actually, I did put it on just to hear what it sounded like. And I was impatient and didn't keep listening. All I heard was like, you know, maybe about a minute of War Pigs. And I was like, ah, it doesn't sound no different to me. Let me go uh, let me come back to this later. I, I want to hear these live albums. So, yeah. uh, so I can't, I didn't really tell a difference, but I didn't really give it that much of a chance. So I can't really say I listened to it. But boy, that book is great. Loads of pictures, a huge, you know, story in it that I got to get back in. Awesome. Well, I, w- I would love to pick that up in the future. And my pick of the week is uh, by Dream Theater. And I believe this was released in 1995. And it's an EP that's longer than most albums. <laughs> oh, you're talking about Metropolis, right? 
No, I'm talking about Change of Seasons. Why the fuck did I say Metropolis? Oh, because they're both extremely long songs. And I love Change of Seasons. You know, I saw them perform it live in its entirety. Nice. 20, what, 26 minutes? Yeah, I think it's like, on well, the the studio version, I believe, is like 23 and a half minutes. Yeah, there you go. But uh, to me, it's it's right, I shouldn't say right there, but I mean, uh, I would say it's similar to 2112 to where it doesn't seem that long to me, and I don't get bored with it. Uh, I, I think it's an incredible song. And uh, also, you know, just besides that, they have them doing uh, probably my favorite Elton John song, uh, Funeral for a Friend. Yes, slash mine, Love, mine as well. Love Lies Bleeding. An incredible song. They do a, uh, a cover of Perfect Strangers by uh, Deep Purple. They also do a really cool... Led Zeppelin melody that has uh, the Rover, Achilles' Last Stand, and a uh, song remains the same. And then they have uh, a song called the Big Medley, which is uh, oh god, I'm trying to remember everything that's in that, but it's like some some Genesis, some fucking uh, sticks, I think, yes, all kinds yes. of all kinds of different shit. But it, it's it's really cool. And uh, Dream Theater is a band I've kind of got into the last year or so, and some of it I really like, some of it I don't. But uh, but I definitely respect their musicianship, and I, I think this is a really good album or EP, however you want to look at it. But uh, Dream Theater changes seasons. That is my pick of the week. Good pick, man. That's one of the ones that I like. Dream Theater is one of those man hit and miss type bands for me. Right. Where they came out of the gate really good with images and words and awake. Uh, the one with the telescopes I didn't like much. Um, I yeah. forgot the name. Is, is it something Dreaming Infinity or something like that? I forget. Uh, but, you know, it's the guy in the ocean with a big telescope. Uh, yeah, like, fall, Falling into Infinity. Yeah, it was kind of like, that one kind of like, eh. Uh, there's and, a lot, there was a lot of, you know, what I've read about him, a lot of record company interference on that one. Okay. But then, you know, Metropolis is, uh, it's just such a beautiful, beautifully made song. Uh, which is, you know, keeps the integrity of Dream Theater, but they also get very, like my favorite songs on that fucking album are, are the extremely mellow ones. Um, but, uh, but you know, then it has songs like Home. But uh, why am I talking about Dream Theater? It's your pick. <laughs> yeah, uh, no, if you, if you like Dream Theater, uh, you might have this if you don't check it out. Or if you're just interested, like say, hey, give it a chance. I, I think this would be a fine place to start. Uh, yeah, we should do a Dream Theater episode in the future. Um, I, I also want to say that, boy, I don't know how Dream Theater would sound if there never was a band called Kansas, because I just saw Kansas not too long ago, but I've always felt this way. There's so much Kansas in Dream Theater music. I mean, with the unknown songs from Kansas. You know, the right. stuff from Mask and, and Song of America. There, I hear so much Kansas in Dream Theater music. And... Uh, you know, because what Dream Theater essentially, and I hear a lot of Rush too, obviously, because you know what's his name is a total Neil Peart uh, nut swinger. Because there, right. I mean, Mike Mike Portnoy is is basically doing Neil Peart, you know. But uh, you know, you, you get you get Rush and fucking uh, Kansas in a blender, and that and that's fucking Dream Theater. And yeah. a lot of people out there, my friend Bobby, who's a huge Dream Theater fan. Never, he's like, oh, dust in the wind, carry on my wayward son. 
I made a, a CD copy back then. It's just a mix of what I felt was very Dream Theaterish. That guy now owns every fucking Kansas album and uh, has seen him like six times since then. This is like back in 1999. Wow. So I, I converted him into, and I feel that way. Anybody out there that loves Dream Theater and you really don't know much about Kansas, pick up their early stuff. I mean, every album has it, but their early stuff is like so proggish, but it has that heavy edge to it that, you know, I think I think you guys will dig it. Right on. All right. Well, it's time to get into fan of the week, and uh, we got a girl this week. How about that? A chick, huh? Yeah. We got a. We don't have too many of them on the page, but we sure appreciate the ones we do. And this week, our fan of the week is Kimberly Joe Cardozi. Oh man, I, if it's the same one I think of that one stuff on my radio show, she's really cool. If it's not, I apologize for you. I think I think you're thinking of Diane uh, Rudolph no, Stork. No, it's a Kimberly. I wrote her name. Oh, it's okay. It's sent her something. Okay. Oh no, well, Diane Storch is awesome. Yeah. Oh, 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 that girl is always on my, always on my radio show every fucking week. Right. And she always sent like yesterday. She sent me a little private message. Wishing me a happy Thanksgiving. When uh, I passed that, uh, did you see Ian the other day? The fucking thing that came out of my dick. No. Dude, a fucking uh, kidney stone. Oh my god, it's huge. It was fucking huge. And remember, I had a kidney stone attack. It's been exactly around a year already. And uh, one finally came out the other day because I was having problems urinating, and. You know, I, it was like I would go urinate and, and only a little bit would come out. And then I, you know, then I didn't feel like peeing anymore. I sit down 10 seconds later, oh, fuck. I was like, what the hell is wrong with me, you know? So I took a nap and then I, I woke up and I'm half awake and I sat down on uh, the toilet to take a pee like Justin Children does all the time. And I'm sitting there and I'm peeing and all of a sudden it totally stopped. But there was still pressure of the pee wanting to come out. And all of a sudden I hear, ping, you know? And I looked down, dude, it's a big-ass rock. And I was like, how the fuck did that come out of my dick? Amazing. And that, kids, is the story of Thanksgiving. Yes. Yeah. My, <laughs> my, my dick gave me a Thanksgiving birthday. But, and then, like, you know, I see it in the toilet. And I'm like, what the fuck? And then I get, like, the little toilet, the toilet brush. I, you know, I'm a little, I, I, dude, I'm not a knee freak at all. But one thing I don't like is to touch pee. You know, I just don't. So, you know, I grabbed toilet paper, I got it, washed it, and I looked at it, dude, it's so smooth. And then I go, man, is this a fucking kidney stone? Because I didn't really know what kidney stones look like. So I went online on Google and I uh, Google image it. Dude, every kidney stone I saw had ridges on it, teeth and everything. <laughs> Mine was so smooth. I was like, geez, thank God, boy. You know, I could have done some damage those kidney stones I saw. But anyway, uh, she wrote me uh, asking me, "Are you okay?" So I, you know, she's a sweet girl. I like her. Well, yes, I, I, I do love Diane, but this week it's all about Kimberly Joe, and uh, I want to thank you for joining the Facebook page, Kimberly, and posting. And that's what we always look for. If you're going to join, become part of the family, and she definitely has. So enjoy your week, Kimberly Joe Carduzzi. You are our fan of the week. Rock and roll, Kimberly. All right, I'm going to go into the plugs, not you. Okay, bye.
listen to the rock show with Gully and Joe. Go to all the W's, Gully, G-U-L-L-Y-A-N-D-J-O-A dot U-K, 8 p.m. UK time, 3 p.m. Eastern. The rock show with Gully and Joe. Listen to it. Don't be a cunt. Ear Pillar, the podcasting and interview news site. To keep up with your favorite bands or artists and the podcasts or interviews where they appear, go to earpillar.com to find out what we're all about. You haven't listened to Mars Attacks podcast? What are you waiting for, man? Host Victor M. Ruiz brings you all types of hard rock and metal-based podcasts. You'll find everything from music-based episodes, interviews, to series such as ultra-sexy classic album series, where some of your favorite musicians, producers, journalists, and show hosts comments on the albums that push the evolutionary chains of hard rock and metal. Get with it and go to MarsAttacksRadio.com to find out more. All right, Kiss Army. Since 2007, you've been getting podcast, the Kiss Audio fanzine for your ears. That's right, it's your podcast. Every month, the podcast crew, along with the Kiss Room, brings you Kiss Talk like no one else, whether it be roundtables, interviews with the band past and present, analysis, and great Kiss fun. Hi, this is Ace Frehley, and you're listening to Podcast. Hi, this is Bruce Kulick, and you're listening to Podkiss. The Podkiss, the Kiss audio fanzine for your ears. Hey, everybody, I'm Aaron. And I'm Chris. And we're from the Decibel Geek Podcast. And if you love this... You'll love us. That's right. Brand new episode every single Monday. You can find us on iTunes and at decibelgeek.com. And the best thing is, it's rock and roll, and it's always free. Music's most diverse podcast. Starring Luke Innes, Greg Simp Bootlegs, and Mr. T from Germany. New episodes released every Saturday on Podbean, Podcast Addict, and iTunes. The True Alternative Podcast. Have you developed paralysis from trying to choose a movie on Netflix? Of course you have. There's too much garbage on Netflix to sift through. So join us on our podcast, We Watched It For You. We watch a bad movie every week and try to determine its watchability. We Watched It For You is for bad movie fans, B-movie fans, underground film fans and cult movie fanatics alike don't miss an episode of we watched it for you a guide to the lesser known movies of netflix available on itunes or wherever you download your podcast all right well if you enjoyed that extra creepy blue oyster cold episode come back next week when blue oyster cult co-founder eric bloom joins us here Really? Yeah, yeah. Eric Bloom comes to talk about Danger Danger and the queers who love them. <laughs> so I'm sure Justin Childers will be brought up in that episode. Oh, boy. Yeah, Danger Danger. Who the fuck came up with that name? I don't know, but that's just naughty. The robot from Lost in Space? <laughs> danger Danger. Awesome. Just, you, know, you know why Justin doesn't like having his ass licked? Because he likes to make eye contact with the guy. Ha, 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 ha.
That's his gripe. That's his gripe. Oh, well. Oh, well, my God. Er- <laughs> Eric Bloom will talk all about that next week on the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. You better be here.